Another day, another dollar. Dude, there's no offseason like the NBA offseason. Am I right, Justin? So juicy. Chris Paul could be coming to the Valley. Russell Westbrook could be going God knows where. The The season ended just, what, three weeks ago? And the offseason is already juicy. But while the offseason has been interesting, I do, and I, I want to take this to a serious note, Saul, happy Veterans Day to you, my friend. Oh, thank you. I appreciate you know, that. Uh, like Shut you're... Up. You know, you're you're like the the many the millions of of men and women who have sacrificed so much for this country and and being a part of the armed forces. Without people like you, Saul, we wouldn't be able to do what we do. So, happy Veterans Day to you and everyone else. Well, you know, at this stage, as we have how many how many kids I've yelled at <laughs> over the years, and you know, more importantly, well, not more importantly, there's nothing more important than service, but. What it also reminds me of is the time I went out to Fort Dix, New Jersey, and Dex was where that's at. Fort Dix, New Jersey, and had to do freezing ass training in the middle of February to get me prepared to, to go to all places, Iraq, where it was 122 degrees on a consistent <laughs> basis. Like, WTF, what are we doing here? That's the military sometimes in a nutshell, folks. It just doesn't make sense, but somehow it all works out. Another total of BS podcast coming your way right now. Your fans just might turn into all fans. Be cool, it's just a part of this program. Spit your best 16 if you must. You not whack, you just sound whack rapping after us, yo. Your fans just might turn into all fans. Be cool, it's just part of the program. Spit your best 16 if you must. You not whack, you just sound whack rapping after us. Justin, you and I got a sneak peek at what the new look of the Total BS podcast is going to be. And man, I'll tell you what, it is sick. Super yeah, speaking sick. Of, of Saul being a drill sergeant, you know, one thing that Saul and I um, have a mutual connection with it is our passion for dogs. Like we love our dogs and it's a big part of, of who we are. And, you know, I have a dog who is half jack russell i think half chihuahua and saul's main dog is a french bulldog named turtle and the look that this amazing young woman by the name of tara funk is helping us out with the look that she gave us is unbelievable she she told saul and i like hey guys you know here's a little sneak preview i don't want to share too much but just like the four pictures that she showed us i was floored and the dogs that i was just talking about Turtle's got a drill sergeant hat on. My dog Barkley's got a Chargers jersey on. It's going to be a sick look. I'm just so excited for when we get to roll it out. I, I see that you've already used the the Chargers uh, picture of Barkley <laughs> as your as your uh, icon on Twitter. So yeah, you wasted no time with that. You wasted no time nope. with that. Well, no, nope. you know it's pr it's probably a good kind of took the last two weeks off is, uh, in terms of this midweek podcast uh, because had we not. Who knows if we would even have this next segment anymore because, man, I, there has been a, a lot of craziness going on in the NFL. And to bring our guy back, Brett Decker, for another episode of One Grand in Your Hand. Brett, what's going on, man? Not much. Just going to piggyback off of Justin real quick. Happy Veterans Day to you, Saul. And I'm not Thank just you. saying Thank that you. because you're one of my bosses at work. So 
<laughs> I don't even know if I would say I'm not even your boss. You know, it's it's not like I'm I'm White Goodman from, uh, or Said. from Dodgeball, where you know you work for the bank, the work bank worker for skin. Yeah, but like you're one of, and when you ask me to do something, I pretty much feel like I, you know, I got to do it. So, well, yeah, because I know the way to get around. If you say no, I'm like, well, then I'll just go to your boss. (laughs) It's all good. (laughs) I, I, 99.9% of the time, I've never had to do that. Um, But anyway, so Brett, you know, kind of catch everybody up to speed on uh, really uh, the latest, uh, the, the last time we did this how yep. it all resulted, and what we're looking at this week. Well, last time, uh, and well, we won't get into too much specifics because it was so long ago, but ended up uh, lost the, the parlay, won the teaser, which is the harder one to win, so that was nice, and uh, ended up profiting $206 for the week. So we came in at fourteen nineteen, so up 419 We're now up to sixteen twenty five. But you got to remember – We've got $500 pending on the New York Jets to go winless with just that, survived this that past almost, week. That almost. That almost. Even when belly up on <laughs> I saw Flacco back in the lineup. I'm like, we're good for another week. No problem. I think they threw the game. I'm convinced of it. The way that that end of that game transpired makes me feel even better about how the bet is going to continue. But So that's $500 reserved, so I've got 11.25 to play with. Nice, nice. All right. All right. For us, what's our big three this week? All right, so started it off with another parlay, so trying to go heavy, and we're going to put a three three teams in this one. We're going to start with the Thursday night game under forty eight and a half in the Colts and the Titans. Um, what the Titans are good on on offense, throwing the ball, the Colts are good at it stopping uh, pass defense. And of course, Tennessee, not the most efficient running attack, but Derrick Henry is beast. He, he makes it happen. Even he gets his yards as that game went on this past weekend. He still gets his yards. He can still do what he needs to do. But the Colts defense is legitimate. It's unfortunate the way they lost. Uh, they lost all momentum against the Ravens on the fumble. That was returned for six. But and I have no trust in Phil Rivers and anything that, and that offense is able to do at this time. And the Tennessee defense isn't, isn't anything to write home about either. Um but I don't see the Colts putting up too many points, and I do see the Colts stopping the Titans on a Thursday night. I feel this is a classic division rival game on a Thursday night. Let's keep the score low a little. Let's make it ugly, especially if Tennessee gets ahead. They will just run the clock. And they'll try to end that game as fast as they can. So under 48 and a half in that game. And the other two, Eagles money line over the Giants in New York, and then the Dolphins money line over the Chargers, and that is – in LA, I'll check again, but you know, I, at this point in time, I, I'm not too sure that distance is going to matter too much. So it's in Miami, actually. It is in Miami, even better because that would be a little bit of a concern if they came from Arizona back to Florida and then over to LA. Um, so that must have, I must have noticed that before. I just wanted to double check, but I feel even better about it then. And for the Dolphins, it, I'll just say more than anything, that's a coaching move. We've seen the two and six Chargers do what they've done with Anthony Lynn and how they've lost these games. Um, the role yeah. the roles could easily be reversed for either one of those two teams. Absolutely, and and, and coaching has been that difference to me. And coaching, I think I always bet on. I, I, that's one of the biggest tips that I follow. Just bet on coaching. Coaching is going to get you uh, more times than it won't. What is the one game that everyone should avoid, or a game that you're avoiding this week? Seattle against the Rams, I guess, is a good one off the top of my head. Because that's so what I, I do. I go by and I'll go look at every single 
game on the on the docket. I'll write down teams that I might be interested in without even looking at the lines. And then I'll go look at their efficiency ratings, how the offenses rank and whatnot. Look at pure football stuff. And as much as I kind of like Seattle in that game, um, I do expect them to rebound. Their offensive line is obviously what it is. And the Rams defense can stop what they do best. Um, I'm just, and after what we saw with, with Chris Carson still out, probably Carlos. Well, he might be back, but that they're not going to be at full strength running the ball, but the Rams are hitting this too. There's not a, I don't, Jared, Jared Goff isn't anything, um, that could take that team over the top. Who know? That's when I just don't see where it goes. And, and at that point, that should be a good football game. That late window. I, I, you like having a, at least me, I like having a game in the late window where you just don't have anything invested. You can watch it as a pure football fan. It's one of the few times I've got enough stuff on this, on the other games, try to have one game where you could be a normal person not a degenerate paying attention <laughs> and just caring about what's going on. And that should be a good one. Like I, I expect it to be. Absolutely. And, you know, one of my favorite games of the week, and that's not because I have Cardinals bias, but I mean, let's be real. The Rams have handled the NFC West for the most part. They beat the Rams. They beat the, the Seahawks. Now they're traveling on the road. They're going to Arizona, who just came off an AFC East loss to the Miami Dolphins, though they probably should have won that game as well. What are your overall thoughts about this matchup? And if you had to make a prediction, maybe even a wager, what would it be? You said the Cardinals? Cardinals, Bills. That It's so uh, – the Bills have killed me this season. They're an enigma. And their offense was so good for so long, and Josh Allen was incredible until he was terrible, until the, defense, until the offense couldn't do anything. And then – I don't know how much of last week against Seattle was Seattle coming across. You know, I don't usually like to buy into coming across the country. I don't like to always buy into stuff like that, but that's an instance where maybe that explains it. Um, Buffalo's pass rush, which isn't great. Still, they, they wreaked havoc on Russell Wilson. That was a big part of it. So there was, it wasn't just fatigue at play. Really. It did seem like there was football stuff there. Cardinals are one of those like coaching iffy situations where, I don't know if close games they're going to be able to pull out. That Seattle game was one that they did. Kind of weird that they did, though. There was very, very viable mistakes. If not for some Russell Wilson key interceptions, they don't pull that game out. They should have won this Miami game. And, hey, it's hard to put Zane Gonzalez missing a fifty less than 50-yard or short which I haven't seen in a long time. That's not a coaching gaffe for sure. No, they, I mean, you, that's that's the nail on the head right now. I know Cliff Kingsbury took a lot of heat this week for some of the decisions he made, but I felt like all the decisions he made, he made because it, it was like, a, it was like a, a series of unfortunate events, right? They went for it on the fourth and one, didn't get it. The next time they have the fourth and one, they say, no, we're going to kick the field goal. 49 yards every kicker in the league has the distance to make it 49 yards. And when he kicked it, I was like, Oh, that's money. That's good. And then it just died and you just couldn't believe it, you know? And so I, I don't fault Cliff Kingsbury for that. Players got to make plays at some point. And he, he put his team in position to make plays. Now, if you want to go back to the second and third down play calls, yes, we can absolutely crap all over Cliff Kingsbury. Cause I think that's what kind of set them up for failure. But as we move forward, Another close game is going to kind of tell you a lot about what Cliff Kingsbury is really thinking and how he's learning from each one of these mistakes that kind of happen. So I, it's going to be interesting to see how, how they go. What's what's the total over and under for this game? Uh, you you'll that? have to give me a second. I'll just say real quick, if you're asking me to make a, a, a prediction on Most that. 60s? Oh, I, I, uh, that'd be – that's that's 
little high to put, I think, down um, on just to start with. Obviously, it can get there. Not a lot of games will be shown that high. So let me look real quick. I will say I would lean towards the Cardinals. That's for sure. Um, sorry, it's not coming up here on the uh, – No, you're fine. I, 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 think, I think for sure this is a statement game for the Cardinals. 56 and a, sorry, 56 and a half. If they bounce back, I think they're they're going to bounce back. I think they're going to play a little bit with their hair on fire and 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 make a better performance on defense than they did last week against Tua. But Josh Allen's no joke, man. He's big. He's strong. He has shown the a propensity to to really stiff arm defenders, physically get away from them. Like he's a different kind of quarterback back there. So it's going to be fascinating to watch. Could, that for, could sure. for sure go either way. I would lean Cardinals. Not so much for the coaching aspect, but I, I just I do think they're the better team. Would you take and the over? I, yes, if I was going to yeah. take either, I'd take the over fifty six and a half. I, I would I would actually like to tease it, and I I, I honestly am surprised I didn't put that in my teaser. Um, I don't think I will, but um, and maybe I will. I mean, if, as I'm in my head right now, maybe I'll replace that with something <laughs> because it's uh, fifty six and a half. I think that that should go over. You know, I think that seems like a thirty one twenty eight type of game, like the Cardinals I've been having. So, but Allen, just to finish, Allen, like he's up, he's so up and he's so down. Cardinals defense can force mistakes they can play tough and if they can get him to make one or two bad mistakes that turns the game buffalo doesn't necessarily have that same type of defensive mentality that could be the tipping point where arizona gets what they need to do so i would lean them for sure i'm not gonna i can't put money on it at this point in the season the bills have screwed me too many times i want to get your thoughts on this brett so the chicago bears they're playing against the minnesota vikings this week it's a God, nobody cares game. about that game. Nobody cares about that game. No, no, here, nobody here, gives a shit about deal, that though. game. Here's the deal, though. It's it's a prime time game, right? Yeah. yeah well, so was the Cowboys and the uh, and freaking. <laughs> so, I know. <laughs> Who cares? But our boy Nick Foles plays better when the lights are very bright. No, our boy Nick the bear, Foles. Sucks the, the this Bears. Year. The Bears have lost three consecutive games. I'm just saying, maybe this is a get right game for the Chicago Bears. Maybe they maybe they get it done this week. I don't know. What Brett? What do you think? Um, yeah, and no, but you're as you're a crazy person if you're betting on this because (laughs) Kirk Kirk Cousins is he's great during the day and he's not so great at night, and that's exactly I don't have the exact numbers in in front of me. Um, I don't know about Foles under the lights, maybe he's a good primetime guy. Obviously, he was fantastic under the postseason lights for my dear Eagles, but that's a long I don't anytime I see him play now, I'm I don't understand it. It makes even less sense that he that he did what he did against the greatest coaching and quarterbacking duo of all time, and now he, he could barely throw the ball downfield. I'd stay away. Minnesota is running the ball over everybody. Maybe they've expelled some of their demons. They kind of had their get-right games recently. Chicago needs one of those badly. They just were never a 5-2 and two team that really deserved to be, I didn't think. Um, they went, Were they even 5-1 and one at one point? They <laughs> They somehow still end up with like 20 points, but that's a lot of it's garbage. I would stay away and I'd lean Minnesota, but you're right. It could be a Chicago get right game because Kirk Cousins, primetime lights, I think they've just figured out like 15. Is that the Sunday night or Monday night game? Monday night, right? Monday night game? I mean, this year, the primetime games have been dreadful. Oh, weird. What's what's weird is we've had a lot of these matchups where. And, and it just kind of plays into somewhat of the gambling aspect. You've got a lot of six and two, five and two teams in the last couple of weeks playing two and five or two and six. So you got six and two teams. And that these spreads are only like minus three or they're only 
like they're they're close. So the Ravens Patriots, which is Sunday night, um, is minus three. Or sorry, minus seven, which seems pretty fair for a six and two team against the two and six, or uh, you know, whatever. If that, the records are close to that, I believe that's what they are. But we've got so many of these matchups that it's that's what's making. You mentioned at the beginning of all this how difficult the last two weeks of gambling would have been, where we might not even having this segment. So many of those matchups are having the weirdest. The spreads are close. Games are going all over the place, and it's bleeding into the prime time. They don't even know what to do to to, to where to put teams. Um, and how to, you know, even they can't even flex because the, the, the matchups aren't really out there. Yeah, for sure. Well, that's another episode I will say of this. One Grand. Saw quick, r- oh, r- this guy. S- Jesus. S- all right. Sorry, Go ahead, Justin. Sorry. It must be another brutal matchup that you want to bring up. No, no, no. I was just going to, I was just going to echo how terrible the primetime games have been because the, the most recent, not most recently, I think it was two weeks ago. I actually opted to watch Netflix instead of Sunday Night Football <laughs> the second I heard Al Michaels say, and that quarterback for the Cowboys is Ben DiNucci. And as soon as I heard that, I was like, yeah, I'm not watching Ben DiNucci quarterback the Cowboys tonight. Click, Click Chappelle yeah. show. I yeah. did that Monday night. I did that for the first time all season on Monday night. It was That was too much. Uh, I'll just say real quick, we don't have to go through the bets. If you want to go see it, I've got uh, – Two other bets on the slip this week, including one same game parlay, which is in the uh, Thursday night game tomorrow, which is a little bit of fun. A lot of money involved in that one, but we'll add that on the graphics. So if you want to do For that. sure. Yeah, I'll put that up tomorrow uh, along with the podcast. So, uh, Deckert, we appreciate you, my friend. Thanks, Brett. Thank you, guys. All right. See you. All right. So uh, that's Brett Deckert. Another episode of One in Your Hand. Justin, I've been waiting for this all day. I've been okay. waiting to talk some hoops with you just because (laughs) of all the craziness that is about to ensue. It feels like, you know, the the NBA does such a great job of leaking stuff. And, and, and and let's be honest. Okay. the NBA is the one sport where an impact player can truly have a big impact because you only got five guys on the court. Um, as opposed to like baseball, if you know you get a pitcher, like okay, cool, but he's only playing once every five games. He only plays in like twenty percent of the game, so the impact is kind of hit or miss. And in football, unless you're getting same thing, kind of hit or miss. You you can get the the best corner in the league, but you know they can still throw the other side of the field. So eleven guys and all this other stuff. So the NBA just does a fantastic job of really not only creating an environment to make trades happen, but also really just leaking out stuff to get people excited, talking about the league. There's no more viral league than the NBA when it comes to offseason banter. Not even close. And in, in a normal year, the NBA season would end in June, and then we're in this kind of four-month offseason. But you also have to think there's the draft. Then there's NBA Summer League. And then there's NBA Free Agency and Trades. And like all these different events in a normal offseason makes it seem like the offseason is really only about a month and a half to two months. Now with this new offseason, everything is kind of ramped up. So the season just ended. The, bu- the bubble ended, what, three weeks ago? And now here we are talking about the season starting up on December 21st. And information is getting leaked out left to right because teams want to be able to compete for a championship. And there is no sport closer to WWE drama 
than the NBA, <laughs> whether it is in the offseason or whether it's during the season. Like, what other sport has a major story where one of your role players is in trouble because he threw a bowl of soup at an assistant coach? That happened with the Cleveland Cavaliers and J.R. Smith. What other, off, what other sport has um, a, a feud between players that carries over after the game and there's this secret tunnel in Staples Center that the Clippers are trying to take to get to the, to the Houston Rockets locker room? The NBA is such a fun brand. The drama inside the league is so juicy that every single year it's so interesting. And now we got Chris Paul possibly looking to play for a new team, whether it's in L.A., New York, or Phoenix. Russell Westbrook, where is he going to go? Is he going to go to L.A. or another big market team? There's just so many interesting pieces right now. And honestly, I I think we're just scratching the surface. I think there's going to be a lot of players on the move. Well, I mean, I was going to make the segue between the tunnel and, you know, that leading to what we were about to talk about. But you went ahead and said all the trades already. Um, <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> you know, I mean, Let's get into somebody, that was, somebody that was involved with that tunnel story was Chris Paul when he was playing for the Lakers. And now Clippers. we're talking about Chris Paul uh, with the OKC Thunder, possibly on the move. Yeah. Uh, the latest rumors right now is that Phoenix is heavily involved in trying to get Uh, Chris Paul, and there's been a lot of different scenarios out there. Um, One scenario was that uh, Rubio would not be in the mix, and neither would Kelly Oubre. Then there's another scenario. The main scenario is that you would trade Kelly Oubre, Ricky Rubio, and the number 10 pick for uh, for Chris Paul. As a Suns guy, by the way, Sun Solar Panel Podcast. If you ever have a chance to check it out, check it out. I'm plugging it in right now, um, <laughs> which I am now a new member of, just full disclosure. One of a bazillion uh, podcasts. Oh, my God. I feel <laughs> for, for real. Like, I'm, I'm stretched thin as it is. All right. So um, if you're talking about making that trade, in my estimation, you're talking about a franchise who has been fighting for the, for the better part of a decade. Phoenix Suns. They have been irrelevant for 10 years. Have a superstar now about to enter his sixth year in the league in Devin Booker, and he's he's a superstar now. I think the bubble made him a superstar. People know who Devin Booker is. If he has a good year next year, mm-hmm. he will make the all-star team. He won't have to plead for a spot. He will get one because he's one of the best shooters in the league, one of the best playmakers in the league. He proved that in the bubble. He did his thing. Give that you know, put some respect on my man's name. Now he's gonna he. There's been rumblings that maybe he wants out. I don't think he wants out. He's never said that he wants out. He's always been true to he the Valley. But what he wants is some respect, and he wants this organization to put him in a position to be able to make the playoffs year in and year out. Chris Paul puts you in that position, and if nothing else, even if Chris Paul goes the next two years completely riddled with injuries and can never play at least the front office is telling you Devin we are trying to put us in a position to get you a championship we are doing everything we can to do this and that's why I think Phoenix needs to pull the trigger on this because sure Ricky Rubio very good player very good point guard Kelly Oubre the heart of the team last year for sure Chris Paul is both 
And Chris Paul is a second yeah. team All NBA player, even at the age of 35. And point guards don't age the way big men do. I just, I know he's going to miss a couple games here and there because of, you know, a pulled groin and hamstrings and all sorts of stuff like he's been doing for the last couple of years. I don't care. Pull the trigger, get Chris Paul to Phoenix because I'm on board with that. Me too. I am 100% on board with it. And I think it would be a pretty good move for Chris Paul. But I have one note on as to why it would be a bad move for his legacy. And I'll get to that in just a little bit. But think about the Phoenix Suns and what they showed in the in the bubble. They were the only team to not lose a game in the bubble. They have some momentum. They displayed their young stars. I think if you give DeAndre Ayton one full season, he could be a guy that could push for an all-star bid because he's just that good. And I, I kind of feel bad for DeAndre Ayton just because he's in the same draft class as Luka Doncic. He's still a really good player that's going to get you a double-double night in and night out. So when you put that along with a, a superstar in Devin Booker, who I agree with you, Saul, I think you need to give that man his flowers because he's shown time and time again that he can be a true superstar in this league. They showed in the bubble that they are capable of being a playoff team, but they need a veteran piece to get these guys over the hump. And if you look at Chris Paul with this year's Oklahoma City team, how many of us thought that the second they traded Paul George away, they gave Russell Westbrook to Houston, that these guys were actually going to be in in the playoffs. I didn't think OKC was going to be in the playoffs. And lo and behold, here they are in the first round, taking the Rockets all the way down to seven games. That's what Chris Paul did with all the, the picks that the Clippers traded away. You put him around young talent, Chris Paul leads. And I think that's why it's going to be great for Phoenix. Now, is that going to get them to the Western Conference Finals? I don't want to go there just yet, but at least puts them in position to make the playoffs. Now, there's the other point that I was going to make. You know, this is going to be Chris Paul's last stand in the NBA, right? He's, no. he's got a you don't no. think that you don't think no. that this is going no. to be his last team in the NBA. Rachel Rondo's like seventy five years old in the league right now. Like <laughs> Yeah, yeah, but I think with Chris Paul, I'm trying to figure out, you know, where he's at. Is he going to try to go I don't know go back east find an eastern conference team that needs a point guard is he going to try to get there's, bought out and team up with his buddy LeBron in Los Angeles like else what is he trying to, to do right now there's nowhere else for him to go because OKC doesn't want used old veterans that have high salary cap numbers on their books they don't they, they want either players that they can build around they want compensation they want draft picks and they want that money off their books. There's no other team in the league, not I can tell, that is going to have the amount of flexibility to offer OKC the deal that they're looking for. The Suns are basically the only one. Now, he could go to New York, sure, and they could trade a couple assets and stuff like that. They're not going to get anything in return. You're simply just trading the cap space away. That's all you'd be doing. You might get yeah. some draft compensation at the very very most but yeah you're talking about like maybe a kelly Oubre you take a flyer on one of the other trade scenarios that i did hear was uh ricky rubio mikhail bridges and the number 10 pick now mikhail bridges in my estimation as a suns fan everything i've been reading and hearing from the team there is no way mikhail he's bridges, untouchable yeah 
essentially. Mikkel Bridges is going to be essentially the next Scottie Pippen in my estimation. He's going to be able to guard multiple positions. He's already proven that. He's a very, very, very good defensive player, borderline elite. He's going to be all NBA defense here in the next one, one or two years. So wait, whoa, 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 whoa. When you say Scottie Pippen, do you mean like he, his skill set is going to get him at the same level as a Scottie Pippen, or I'm gonna he's say, going to have a Scottie Pippen role on the Phoenix Suns? I'm going to say that he has the ability to play three and D. He's going to be one of the best three and D players in the league. And in addition to that, he can also slash and drive to the hole. So he's not just a perimeter shooter. He can shoot from the outside. He still needs to work on that outside shot. But defensively, he could do just a little bit of every single thing. And you need those kind of guys on your team. Mikael Bridges silently is the one that really makes the Phoenix tick because he's on. It's just every little thing happens on the court. It's those small things that you just don't see in statistics. He has the intangibles. He's such a smart and elite player, um, and he's really starting to come into his own. And, man, I, I can't wait to watch him play this year for real because uh, watching him in the ball, I was like, wow, that dude is the second-best player on the team because DeAndre Aiden, he kind of showed up and you know kind of did a little bit here and there, but he wasn't, he wasn't the dominant force. And going back to your point about Chris Paul, Chris Paul would be the best thing that ever happened to DeAndre Aiden. Because DeAndre Aiden needs somebody besides just Devin Booker to get in his ass. He does. Yeah. He does. Sean Miller was that dude at U of A. Like, and since then, you know, Monty can only do so much. But when you're short and you're yelling at this guy, like, get your ass over here, do this, blah, 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 blah. Like, DA is going to find it. He's going to find it. And when he finds it, this entire draft class gets flipped on its head. Because everybody's about Luca right now, but I'm telling you, there's going to be a run where there will be a debate that De- that DeAndre Aiden will or may or may not be better than Luka Doncic. But because right now it's not even close. No, and uh, you mentioned Monty Williams. I did a little research, and I don't know if you're aware of this or if anybody else has done this, but there's a mutual connection between Monty Williams and Chris Paul. What's Monty that? Williams was on the Hornets slash Pelicans uh, coaching staff in 2010 and Chris Paul when, when Chris Paul was there. So these guys have already had a built-in connection that goes back to when Chris Paul was arguably the best point guard in the league. So there yeah. is a connection there. And I think out of all the tradable places, and again, I only see him going to a place like the Lakers if the, if there's some – buyout because the Lakers just don't have anything to, to trade for him. They, they, no, they simply don't. Nothing, the, nothing. the Phoenix Suns have young assets and they have that number 10 pick. And That's they have the expiring, bi- expiring contracts more, expiring than, contracts. more than anything. But that number 10 pick helps them out big time. And, you know, I really think that they need to trade it away and get that point guard. You need a guy like Chris Paul running your system because if you just say, hey, we're going to throw up our hands – we're going to draft uh, Killian Hayes or uh, Tyrese Maxey from Kentucky. I mean, what does that say to a guy like Devin Booker who's really in a win-now mode? I mean, he's trying to get the Suns to the playoffs. Getting a young point guard, I don't think it gets you uh, over that hump. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens over uh, the the next uh, few weeks. Let's see if the Suns pull the trigger. 
yeah, it definitely will be interesting the next couple of weeks to see what happens. Um, it'll be fun. It'll be fun for sure. You know, um, I, I like Aaron E. Smith, by the way, just throwing that out there. I like Aaron E. Smith from uh, Vanderbilt. Uh, if the Suns do hold on to the 10 pick, I would love to see him in the Suns uniform because he can stretch the floor. He can shoot from the outside. He can play multiple positions. Love him. Anyway, on to Russell Westbrook. <laughs> My man, Russ. He's, One and done uh, in Houston. He's basically like, get me the hell out of here now. Um, I think secretly Houston is looking at rebuilding completely. And so I think a lot of their assets are up for grabs. I am kind of wondering if Russell Westbrook leaves. First of all, where is he going to go? Which I already, I already know this answer. I just Miami? know this answer. No, hell no. Miami can't afford him. My man is making 123 over the next three, dude. 41 mil a year. No way he's going to Miami. No way he's going to Miami. If he if he goes to Miami, shutting that down, you're you're, you're ruining everything. You just could you imagine Jimmy Butler and Russell Westbrook on the same team? They would choke the hell out of each other. There's no way. That's what Russ needs, man. Russ needs to go to somewhere where he can be the alpha dog again. Okay, see, okay. There's Oklahoma only one. City. Yeah. yeah. There's only one place. There's only one place. There's only one place because these this place has been clamoring for a superstar for forever and they never get them the knicks hell yeah the knicks that's the only place man that's the only place that will take them in with open arms and say thank god we got superstar now we can sell tickets again that's the only place nowhere else for russell to go no he can't coexist with anybody that's a like a dominant player he can't lead a franchise to a championship he's had his opportunity can't do that he had an opportunity this year Everybody thought, you know, oh man, Harden and, and Westbrook, that's gonna be crazy. It didn't it wasn't anything. Westbrook like disappeared. So yeah, no, no uh, I, I don't think I so. I mean, I, I don't pin that completely on Ru- Russell Westbrook. I mean, did you think that the Houston Rockets were going to be a championship caliber team? On they PJ, paper. They had PJ Tucker playing center. <laughs> on paper, on paper, right? When you're talking about the seven seconds or less sons and how Mike D'Antoni wanted, you know, Steve Nash to this day says they could have taken it further. You know, they were kind of, they were kind of coloring outside the lines when they, when they, when they ran that system back in the day. And Steve Nash to this day says we could have done more to, they could have taken it even crazier. And I think what he meant was exactly what Mike D'Antoni thought he was going to do in Houston, go small all the way and have just crazy shooters all over the place. But it didn't work out that way. And, you know, to your point, like, I, I think them getting rid of, um, oh, what's his name? The big man, Clint Capella, uh, Clint Capella uh, to the Hawks. I think that was a big time mistake. Like, cause you need somebody to defend the rim. And so the Lakers were just able to just abuse them down low, but perimeter wise, Russell Westbrook also isn't that answer. Dude's shooting like less than 30% from the three. That's not the answer either. He was hoping he was going to be that slasher and then maybe a kick out to Harden and all these other guys, and that just wasn't it. And Harden's not really the type of dude to 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 play and get everybody involved like that because he looks for his own as well. So I, I just I don't know, not feeling that one at all. So when you say they're going to blow this up, are you talking about James Harden also being on the move as well, dude, I, or is it I, or is it just simply Russell Westbrook and they try to figure out what to do with James Harden and maybe get a couple lottery picks and maybe make some trades in the future. I would – our guy, Matt Babcock, from Babcock Hoops, he 
he was on this show a couple months ago and, and we talked about some prospects. Um, he put out a tweet saying the Spurs behind closed doors are to make a big, big move. I wouldn't be surprised if it happened. I think that move is James Harden. I think James Harden going to Spurs, the way he plays is almost a mix of Tony Parker and Manu Ginobili. I could definitely see that working for the next two seasons. They win a championship maybe in two or three, and Pop rides off in the sunset. That's it because he's the greatest one-on-one basketball player possible um, into a champion. The San Antonio Spurs. Or not. <laughs> oh man, and and in in that trade, you would have to give up Demar Derozan, of course. Uh, would you? Sure. I don't know how the numbers work out. And I think he's got an expiring contract too. So or I think maybe that... Lamarcus Aldridge. <sighs> yeah, I mean, it gives them a big, but I mean, it, it doesn't really give them anything. And, and and you know how you know how pop system is though too, like that's a system that's much like the the Patriot stuff, right? You have to have key personnel in key places, aka a quarterback, and James Harden essentially is a quarterback on the floor in the NBA. And if Pop can coach him up and put him in the right positions to run his system, man, I'm telling you what, they could be scary. I give I love Pop. Pop is the best mastermind coach of all time, in my opinion. Sure. So I'm I'm trying to think of you know what you could put around a James Harden in San Antonio, because you're gonna have to give up a, a lot to get him. And you are know, you though? Are you though? I don't know if you are, because look, you're, you're looking for assets, right? You're looking at, you're looking at a rebuild. So, you know, I'm I'm thinking maybe they just want salary cap space. You know? So you ha- so I mean, I'm, I'm looking at the Spurs roster right now. You might have to give up a DeMar DeRozan, maybe a DeJounte Murray, Derek White, Lonnie Walker is is a young guard. Uh Patty Mills, I'm not sure about his contract and, and if that would work. Um I mean, but there's some there's some tradable pieces there from San Antonio. I'm just wondering, you know, who they're going to have left to make the Spurs a championship team because you still have to think they're in the Western Dude. Conference. You still got to go up against Denver, the Lakers, the arising Phoenix Suns team that we just mentioned, the Jazz. You know, the the West is is loaded year in and year out. I'm not sure what what um a James Harden on San Antonio would do if you don't have the right pieces around him. No, I, for sure. And I I will say this right now. So you have on the on on the Houston Rockets. You have Russell Westbrook and James Harden each making about thirty seven million a year. Russell Westbrook is actually making more um, at wow. thirty eight. Uh, that was for the, that was for nineteen twenty. So for next year, they're both on the books for forty mil a piece. Forty and forty one. What Westbrook having the highest of the two? Now you go over to San Antonio. You have Demar Derozan making twenty seven. That's not terrible. And then you have Lamarcus Aldridge who's making 26, then Rudy Gay at 14, expiring contract, boom, there's one. Patty Mills, expiring contract, uh, he's making 13. 
And then after that, DeJounte Murray, who just signed that new deal, he's not going anywhere for a while. Um, You know, so I'm telling you right now, like you have four expiring contracts right there. And and you're not going to trade, you know, obviously the whole purpose behind this is that you don't want to get, you don't want to get older. So they're out of the Chris Paul trade that this is another team that would have the assets and the money and cap space to be able to pull off a Chris Paul trade, but they would never do it because they're trying to, they're trying to secure players to win a title. And so I would say LaMarcus Aldridge, Rudy Gay gets you in that conversation right there. Um, those two alone, that's 38 mil. So you got swallowed three. Dude, I'm doing that a million times over. And that could put you in position to have one of the worst records in the NBA and get you that lottery pick. So I, I hope the, the Houston Rockets have their sights set on an absolute gem coming out of college or overseas. Who? Who? <laughs> shoot, I don't know. Kirk Risa from Arizona. <laughs> oh, no. But, but you saw, you recognize the common denominator here. We keep talking about all these great players. The common denominator is that the Oklahoma City Thunder had all of these players, and yet oh, yeah. they, they couldn't find a way to win. They had Chris Paul. They had James Harden. They had Russell Westbrook. They had Kevin Durant, Serge Ibaka, hey, and they could not I, win. I, I said it when, I, when it happened. I didn't get mad at Kevin Durant for, for bailing on OKC. And when I look back at it now, I think that was even a smarter decision for him to bounce from OKC. Because Russell, Russell Westbrook can win games, but he's not going to win you championships. And he never was. He never was going to, ever. And so K- KD was like, let me get a ring so I don't have to hear this BS talk like how everybody tries to dog Charles Barkley. You think players don't see that? Like, come on, man. Players don't want to be in that in that category. They don't. Yep. So let me go get a cheap ring. That's why Carl Malone went to the Lakers, and then that didn't work out because they got busted by the Pistons. Yeah. Why do you got to bring it up? <laughs> why do you got to bring up old shit? Anyway, again, the NBA – season is on the other it's going to be very to uh watch how holds there's a lost scuttle really interested i'm interested in what the suns are going to do but i'm more interested to see what the spurs are going to do because i have a funny feeling something's going to have a team and they will no longer be a bottom feeder in the west well they were never a bottom feeder they're going to be able to come through and do something Oof. Dude, oh my gosh. When you look at Houston's roster too, by the way, we get we just got to cover this. Oh my gosh. It is brutal. 41 and 40 to to Russell and James. Eric Gore 16 and Robert Covington 12. They owe Robert Covington another 12 for 21-22. Eric Gordon 18 that season, so 21-22, 12, 18 and then 43 of for Westbrook and Harden. And then when you get to 2022, it's 46 apiece for those two and 19 for Eric Gordon. Robert Covington is off the books. Dude, that is a lot of coin. Can I tell you something as well? Sure. PJ Tucker. This is one of my favorite stories in NBA history because PJ Tucker is only known for having an absurd amount of sneakers. Like this guy owns like, 
over 600 pairs of sneakers. He is the biggest sneakerhead you will ever meet. He has rooms in his house designed for sneakers. This guy has his own line of Kobe's. Like he shows up to the arena and Bleacher Report kicks or taking photos of his sneakers saying, like, oh, look at PJ Tucker's custom made uh, Kobe PEs. Well, PJ Tucker in the final series in the playoffs scored eight points in the last game, zero points in the second to last game, three points. He had 18 points in game two, and then six points in, in game one. Then he's this undersized center. He had five rebounds in the game, cl- the series clinching game, he, and then three rebounds the game before. PJ Tucker is making eight million a year. Yeah, I think that's also another guy that you could look to dump as well. Oh man, but PJ Tucker gives you so much, man. He gives you so much. He didn't. He didn't he's, do squat in the playoffs, dude. He didn't do squat against the Lakers, man, and neither did anybody else. Okay, PJ Tucker is undersized. They put him in a bad position. Like that dude is a small forward, power forward, like. He's the strongest power uh, small forward in the league in league history. Like sure. there aren't guys out there that are six five, six six, and weigh over two hundred and fifty pounds uh, that just come along. Uh, matter of fact, uh, Edwards, Anthony Edwards, uh, the incoming prospect, is going to be one of five players in the NBA that have that size. It's pretty he's crazy. A dog. Well, we differ on that opinion. I feel like he's just a a better shooting Stanley Johnson. Oh, and Stanley wouldn't shit. Yes, you are correct. But <laughs> and for as and, much hype and, as, and, the, and, and, as a, no disrespect as much to Stanley as, Johnson, hey, for as much hype as as my man had coming in, he didn't live up to it. Not even close. Stanley or Anthony Edwards? No, Stanley. Oh, okay, yeah, no, no, you're definitely right because Stanley Johnson. A lot of people. Viewed him as myself included. I the, thought the he was going to be like big wing. Yeah, I thought he was going to be awesome, and he was not. Yeah, but and I don't know. I, I I think Anthony Edwards. He's six foot three. He's a little undersized for the the modern NBA player. But there's just some, there's something about him, man. I I think he's going to be an NBA superstar. Again, we're talking about what are, what are you have to have one elite skill that gets you through the early part of your career. If you don't have that one elite skill, then what are we talking about? Everybody is physically amazing in the NBA to some degree, right? I think this kid probably more than, than most for sure. But again, can he shoot the lights out? No. Can he, is he a playmaker? No. Is he defensively? Is he strong? No. Like, what is that one thing that he's going to bring to the league? Just can be like, wow, that's that you, you can't just you, you have to game plan around that one thing that gives him time to develop everything else. If James Wiseman, by the way, goes to the Golden State Warriors, wrap it up, wrap it up, <laughs> yeah, wrap it up at, 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 the, at the number two pick with 2020, the 2021. Greatest- Greatest shooting backcourt of all time, and then you throw in this seven-one yep. unicorn. Twenty twenty-one Western Conference champions. Ooh, we'll see about that. Yeah, trash <laughs> but, those Lakers, baby. But but that's the only reason why I love the Warriors is because <laughs> they keep the Lakers out of the picture, and they shut LeBron up. It's the only reason True. why I like the Warriors. True. Plus, hashtag Team Lightskin. 
<laughs> uh, no, you're going back to your point about Anthony Edwards, though. I give him the benefit of the doubt only because he was a one-year player in college. So he's still in that 18, 19-year-old range where he still has a lot of time to develop. And then going back to the guy that we talked about earlier in the podcast, Mikael Bridges, this is kind of a, a classic example of what staying a few years in college does to you. Remember, Bridges came out as an upperclassman at Villanova, and now mm-hmm. here we are talking about him being a solid three and D player in just his second year in the NBA. But you don't get that kind of you don't get that kind of time in the NBA. Look at Josh Jackson, you know, freakish athletic ability, maybe some top ten percent athletic ability in the. Where's he at? Mm, I don't know. Again, what does he do very very well? defensively he's okay can't shoot a lick can't pass for shit can't dribble like you have to have an elite skill at some level in some way you know deandre the the bigs get away with more because of their size and their height they don't have to do much but when you're talking about guards guards you have to have one elite skill Josh Green from the U of A. That's what's that is what's plagued the University of Arizona players more than any other team in the country. They are riddled with players that are in between positions. Nick Johnson, Stanley Johnson. Uh, you you go to Alonzo Trier, Raleigh Rondé Hall, Rondé Hall like, Jefferson, Rondé Hall Jefferson, like a bunch of guys that are in between positions and don't have one elite skill set. Alonzo Trier, if he if he couldn't shoot. He wouldn't even be on in this in the freaking G League. He Freezo. wouldn't. Yeah, but Freezo. but he could shoot, and that's what got him some play in the NBA in a two year, seven million dollar contract. But guess where he's at right now? He doesn't have a he doesn't have a roster to play on, you know. And it's because he doesn't do enough at his position. He can't run guard. He's too small to play shooting guard. What are you going to do? Raleigh Alkins isn't even in the league. He didn't. He barely got a taste of the league. He like played like three games, I think. Yeah, sniff. And that that was it. The only ones that that are stayed true have been. Uh, uh, oh my gosh, I'm forgetting his name. Um, T.J. McConnell. <laughs> T.J. McConnell, pure point guard. Pure point guard. Runs Great team player. Can run the show. You don't have to worry about turnovers or anything like that. He knows what he's doing on the court. You know what I mean? Like uh, Solomon Hill. Pure small forward. He's not a power forward. He's not a shooting guard. He's a small forward. He can give you a little bit of everything, but he's a, he's a true tried small forward. Derek Williams, tweener, couldn't go between small forward and power forward, didn't have a position, couldn't shoot enough good from the outside, couldn't rebound enough to stay with the bigs down low. Where is he going to go? He's overseas now. That's where he's going to go. Yeah. You know. So, like, those are the types of guys when I'm looking as an as a NBA GM, I want to stay away from guys that are in between positions. It's different when you're talking about guys that can play multiple positions. I'm talking about guys that are in between positions where they really don't have a home. And usually the guys that you're talking about that can play multiple positions are the small forward types that can play a little two, a little bit of four if you absolutely need them to because they have the length and they have the ability to play defense on one end and shoot on the other. So then where do you stand on Lamella Ball? Because is is there one thing that you can when you when I, when you watch Lamella Ball play is there one thing that you can say okay he could play at the NBA level? Uh yeah, yeah, playmaking ability. Okay. Like he he's got great he's got a great feel for the game. 
like but, he, but he's, a, he's a tweener though he's a pure point guard though he's not going to play two he's not going to play the two ever like he's you're 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 bringing him into the game to make plays and the playmaker has the ball in his hands he's the point guard he's the number one like there is no you're not putting him at the two or the three like there's just no way I think he's going to be limited physically in the early going. He's going to have to learn a lot on the go. But again, we all thought these kind of same similar things about Luka Doncic, that he's too slow, not athletic enough, can't do you know this, can't do that. And Luka is is damn near an MVP caliber player. But that's Lamel- because we as as American basketball fans are wired to think and assume that every single European basketball player that comes over isn't as advanced or they're not wired like American players because there have been a lot of European busts. So we automatically think, oh, yeah, this guy was a a European superstar and he played with adults, but is he going to be the next Dirk Nowitzki or is he going to be the next Darko Milicic? A lot of this is luck. A lot of this is luck. Because if everybody knew that Luca was going to do what Luca was going to do, nobody, including the Suns, would have passed up on him. They would have taken him, like, yeah. hands down. But when you're talking about LaMelo Ball, like, what is his one true skill? It's playmaking. Passing. He, he can pass it. He's got great court vision, got great feel for the game. Like, absolutely. But he has such a, a negative space when it comes to the defensive end, number one. Like, if this kid doesn't play defense at all, like, he's never going to see the court. Like, even in the NBA, he can make the best passes of all time. He could drop 40 a game. But if he's getting burned for 50 on the other end, dude's going to be riding the pine for sure. And yeah. then and then outside defensively, like, shooting-wise, he's got better form than Lonzo, but that's like being the fastest kid with two broken legs. Like, it, you know, it's like whatever. You know what I mean? Like, th- does that really even matter? I don't know. We'll see. I think, he, I think he's a way better shooter than his brother. Athletically, he – Athletics to me in the NBA at the guard position, particularly, are kind of misleading. Like I don't really buy too much into them. Steve Nash made a living, you know, and he was definitely not the most athletic guy on the court. He was just crafty and smart. Like you have that Chris Paul, not the most athletic guy in the league at all. He's shorter than most point guards. Like, but he knows how to play. He knows how to get his his shot off. He's He's very calculated in the way he plays. Those are the players that last a long time in the NBA. I just think they're going to live off their athletic ability. They come in, they play for a couple of years, and then they're out, and they don't last. Yeah. TJ McConnell is another pretty good example of that as well. But yep. I, I don't know. I'm just I'm, – this NBA draft class is, is really interesting. And one thing that I really appreciate about it is that there's a lot of suspense leading up to it. I know we're, we're probably going to talk about it – on Mon- or on Sunday's podcast, but there's no bona fide number one pick. Like we we don't know who's going to be the number one pick. Where last year we knew that Zion Williamson was going to be that guy. The year before that, we knew that DeAndre Ayton was probably going to be the number one pick. This year, and it could, it could be because we didn't have the NCAA tournament, so Obi Toppin didn't really have a chance to show what he's got on the national level in front of so many people watching. Um, but I don't know. This this is going to be an interesting draft class. I'm excited. Very much so. Very much so. Like um, it's it's gonna be fun to watch, man. Because I'm interested to see first of all, like who pans out down the road, and and what I will always remember is 
what NBA scouting departments really took advantage of technology and did their homework and their research on every single player to get the player that they wanted um, because they weren't allowed to do in-person workouts. A lot of these, no. a lot of these teams are having virtually doing interviews through zoom and whatnot. I, I want to see this. I want to see, you know, who's actually good at what they do and who's not. And you're going to see some trash ass teams making some horrible ass picks because they think on paper, oh, we got this superstar, but they didn't do their homework and come to find out, like, this kid has no work ethic, can't shoot a lick, and can't rebound. Like, well, good job. You picked a 6'9 dud. Like, I, I don't want to see that. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm excited for this NBA. This is probably the, the first NBA draft in quite a while where I've actually been pretty excited to see who's going to do what and, and where who's going to go where. My, for my money, James Wiseman, I've only seen him a little bit. He only got one game in college, so that's that scares me a little He's bit. But physically, physically, and and again, a lot of this is what system are you going to, right? We, you can be a great player, but if you go to a bad system, that could ruin you. That could absolutely just ruin you. So James Wiseman, if he's fortunate enough to find himself in a position to play for the Warriors, man, I don't see how you could fail. Like you, you have got a great system, great coach, great front office. Like you are set up for success, possibly for the rest of your career if you want. And Saul, think about this lineup here for a second. You have the Splash Brothers and Stephen Clay. Then you have an Andrew Wiggins who could be on the chopping block. We don't know if they're going to trade him away and Again, possibly in betweeners. I'm telling in betweeners, but he's going to be the small forward and he actually had a pretty good season last year i know the the warriors were the worst team in the league last year but the numbers he put up shows that he belongs in the nba again so you, can even, you can have him that's for the worst team in the nba yeah <laughs> fastest like, kid with two broken legs exactly uh, but you have a guy like andrew wiggins <laughs> okay Look at the Golden State Warriors when they were winning championships. They had Zaza Pachulia in their starting lineup, and they were the deadliest team in the league. You have Andrew Wiggins there. Okay, cool. You have Draymond Green, who's an all-NBA defender. I know he's annoying, and he pisses off a lot of people. And if he's not on your team, you strongly dislike the guy. But he's still a really good defender, and he's chippy. And then you add in a James Wiseman at center. Dude, I'm right there with you, man. I think the Golden State Warriors, if they were to stay healthy and Klay Thompson comes back as the Klay Thompson that we've seen but prior to him going down with an injury, the Warriors are going to be a force to be reckoned with. And it just pisses me off because Bob Myers is such a damn good GM. He does such a good job at getting the pieces in place. And, and it's not like they're the Lakers going out and buying everyone. And this is where I see your frustration when it comes with the Lakers because they're not developing their talent. It, it, nothing is, is homegrown. And I get it. They did bring in Kevin Durant, and they won a couple championships with him. But outside of him, everything else has been homegrown and has been through the draft. James Wiseman is going to be another piece of that. No, absolutely. No, I, The Warriors, to me, on paper, the Warriors are the best organization in, in the NBA right now just because yeah. of what they've been able to do. And it's, and it's, again, it's, we, we talk about that Scooter Magruder um, NBA offseason recap when they got uh, Boogie Cousins a couple years ago and, <laughs> and he, he's in the kitchen and he's eating chips. He's like, y'all playing checkers. We playing chess. Yes. Y'all playing checkers. <laughs> we playing chess. You know what I mean? Like, but it's so true. It's like they're thinking two or three steps ahead of everybody else in the league and thinking about what if scenarios and they're putting themselves in position to have an out. 
D'Lo, look at D'Lo last year. They signed D'Lo. Everybody's like, oh, man, you know, they signed D'Lo as an insurance policy because they lost Clay Thompson. Also, you're kind of taking a flyer on him. Like, okay, knowing that there's other teams in the league that would love to have D'Lo, mainly it wasn't the Suns. The Suns were never really interested in D'Lo, but people thought it was because of Devin Booker, but also Minnesota. You knew that that existed. So worst case scenario, let's make a deal with Minnesota. Let's let's make a trade, and boom, you can have D'Lo, which is exactly what happened. And now they have cap space, and now they have the ability to maybe possibly go out and sign somebody and add uh, an incredible rookie and bring back Clay Thompson from an ACL injury. Like it's like all of a sudden you blink and they're right back. Now I think the Warriors are probably going to be like a four or five seed type play- team next year, unless James Weissman is just that damn good. Because if he is. That changes everything. That changes everything because you can't stop inside and outside. That was the one thing about Kevin Durant is that, like, to a degree, you might be able to slow him down because you just needed to think about the perimeter and keep the keep keep them from shooting the three. But if you have Weissman down low, just beast, you, you have to account for it. That spacing's insane. Yeah, it's, it's ridiculous, <laughs> it's, man. It's ridiculous, man. Yeah. Anyway – that NBA, gotta love it. That was fun, gotta man. love it. Yeah, I love the NBA, man, <laughs> for sure. So that's another episode of the Total BS Podcast. A reminder: uh, subscribe. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast. And hey, please, please, please leave a review down below. Um, and it's five stars if you if you much inclined to. I would appreciate it. Uh, we're trying to get that rating up. And uh, again, this Sunday we got a really, really, really cool episode for everybody. Uh, we have Samantha Sloan from ambition she's coming into the to the crib he's going to teach everybody how to do an interview if you're out there and you're struggling and you're trying to find work or if you had a job that you absolutely hate and you want to leave and you're like oh man i need to get i need to get my game up she has resume advice she has interview advice she's a really fun follow on tiktok come join us because my man justin spears is going through an interview as well so you guys can all take a look at what not to do Uh, coming up on Sunday at 7 o'clock Mountain Standard Time. That's Arizona time because we don't move. We don't stop. We don't do shit when it comes to daylight savings time. Justin, tell them where they can find us. The word of the next podcast is job. (laughs) J-O-B. You hear me? (laughs) Going to get a job. Going to get a job today. (laughs) So you can follow the Total BS Podcast on all social media platforms, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And make sure you give us a like and a follow on Facebook because that's where our Sunday night show is streamed. It's also streamed on YouTube and Twitch as well. So if you're on those platforms, give us a follow there. Subscribe, rate, review, share with all your friends the Total BS Podcast. Absolutely. And uh, again, check out my man, Justin Spears. He also does a podcast for the Wildcaster down in Tucson. If you like any University of Arizona stuff. Uh, And then you can follow myself as well on the Sun Solar Panel, where we talk all things Phoenix Suns every Saturday. And uh, we also have another another just released today. It's called the Real MVP Podcast. That's R-E-E-L, not real like Kevin Durant said, uh, real MPP podcast where we talk about sports movies. And this week we talked about Space Jam. So check that out as well. Uh, we have some really cool episodes coming up in the next couple weeks. So please check that out. Until next time, friends, uh, we will see you when we see you. Peace. Pods everywhere. Your fans just might turn into all fans. Be cool, it's just a part of this program. Spit your best 16 if you must. You not whack.
You just sound whack rapping after us, yo. Your fans just might turn into our fans. Be cool, it's just part of the program. Spit your best 16 if you must. You're not whack, you just sound whack rapping after us. <laughs> <laughs>